The following presentation has been brought to you by HSF Productions. Making their way to the studio, representing the wrestling capital of the world, Winnipeg, Manitoba, Canada, your hosts of the Impromptu Wrestling Podcast, Tally and Damien. Hey guys, welcome back to IWP, the Impromptu Wrestling Podcast. We are your hosts, I'm Tally006. Over to my left, as always, is my brother Damien. How's it going this fine Sunday afternoon? You know, I'm a, I'm a little busted up right now. I got some tender ribs, but I'm ready to go to talk about some wrestling. We got a lot of wrestling to talk about today. You got, you got your ribs taped up like it's 1998 Raw or what? Absolutely, absolutely. I could uh, I could go 30 minutes, though, for sure. <laughs> All right, well, we do, like you said, we have a absolute huge show for you guys this week, Breaking Kayfabe. Impact Wrestling this week, something we haven't talked about in a while. The commentary desk putting it over, all the good things that makes this show great. But first, it was a huge day in Winnipeg sports last night. Tell us about it. The Bombers, like the Winnipeg Blue Bombers are unstoppable, I feel. Uh, I don't know what you feel about this. I don't want to jinx it either, but I mean, yeah, like they 44 nothing in the CFL, like... They put up the donut. I mean, just give them the great cup, save everybody a lot of money because there's no way they can lose. You know, I, I've been I've been doing my best to not think about it, not talk about it. I just watch and I enjoy, but it's starting to get really hard not to talk about it. Like you said, 44 nothing in the CFL, in a league for some of our American fans, where you are given a point just for kicking the ball out the back of the end zone. If you miss a field goal, you get a point. It, yeah, yeah, hey, you tried. You got a point. <laughs> you punt it out the back, you get a point. <laughs> the Isn't that Canadian right Yeah, there? yeah, you know what I mean? And BC couldn't even get couldn't even get a rouge. It's a it's it is a is an amazing feat. You don't see a lot of donuts in the CFL. It, it, it's it's sad to think. I think I mentioned to you this last night. If the Bombers had a kicker, we're probably undefeated this year. That loss against Toronto was a very close game, and our kicker had missed four or five kicks. Like it's it's crazy to think that the Bombers should be undefeated right now. Right, right. Well, we got the Italian stallion now, so uh, you know it was the last piece of the puzzle, and there's no stopping us. I, I mean, I hope he's Italian. I just put that out there. Well, I mean, not to bust your chops a little bit, but Italians are pretty good at getting the ball over the bar. Wow. Oh, wow. <laughs> Did felt, you just go there? I felt dirty for saying it, but it needed to be said. Uh, Jets oh, man. Getting My a ribs big... hurt. <laughs> the Jets... a kick to the ribs, man. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> the Jets getting a big win at home last night as well as they put up five, six goals against the Nashville Predators. That was a pretty entertaining game to watch last night. Yeah, the Jets have been putting up a lot of big numbers. Uh, there was a 6-5 there a couple of games ago, and, five and they won 5-1 against, five, one? Five, one against the Ducks. Yeah. yeah. The only problem with the Jets is they're also letting in a lot of goals. So uh, it's a lot of pressure on the forwards to 
to get that many goals to get the W, but uh, they're doing it. And hey, we we sucked at home last year. Like we almost had a better away record. So I like the change around, but you know, we got to win some road games to be a playoff contender. It's weird that the Pacific Division is what's given us trouble this year early on. I mean, I mean it is very early on in the season right now, but we used to dominate the Pacific Division and now they're kind of dominating us after a year off from not playing them, right? It's time to take a look at the headlines and rumors from outside the ring. It's breaking K-Fade. So it was kind of low-key announced. There wasn't really a big deal surrounding this, which I was kind of surprised about, but Daniel Garcia officially gets his hashtag all elite. Tony Khan broke the news on his Twitter saying that Daniel Garcia has signed a full-time contract with AEW. I just don't understand why there wasn't as much of a big deal. Like, I feel like Lee Moriarty was a bigger deal than Daniel Garcia. And to me, Garcia is the, the, the one who's going to make a name in, in AEW. Yeah, I'm quite surprised as well. This is actually the first time hearing about it, so that just goes to show you how little kind of it was highlighted. But I think it's fantastic for EW. Like this kid can wrestle. He's for that that smaller weight class. Like he's one of the the better guys that are out there, and he's going to make guys like Sammy Guevara and MJF and Darby Allen just look fantastic. I I just feel like he just does no wrong, except for when the boy gets the mic. But those are skills that can be learned. So, yeah, I'm, I'm all for, for this hashtag right here. Yeah, for sure. And, I mean, you saw in that last time we saw him going a promo battle with one of the greatest of all time in CM Punk, that attitude was starting to come out a little bit, that personality, you know, which what little personality he has was starting to come out a little bit. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm super excited. Daniel Garcia is hashtag all elite. And now the big news of the week the ratings numbers from last week's head-to-head ratings battle, whatever you want to call it, AEW versus WWE. And, I mean, the numbers are interesting to look at. SmackDown wasn't on its home network of Fox. It got moved to FS1 because of the Major League Baseball playoffs. So they didn't have their full audience, you know what I mean? And, you know, AEW having to deal with this head-to-head battle you know, so the numbers were kind of skewed. You know, SmackDown only put up like 800,000 total viewers for the night. Uh, AEW was around 500,000. But the numbers that I want to talk about was the actual head-to-head. The 30 minutes where SmackDown was on live and Rampage was on live. Even more interesting than that, the key demographic of 18 to 34 years old. And in that very specific number, AEW put up a number of 328,000, SmackDown 285,000. And besides the guy, the people in the AEW camp, they're really not talking about this key number. Is it silly for us to kind of focus on that little victory or or do you think this is actually news to to talk about AEW beating WWE? I almost feel like it's not news because haven't we really been beating them for the longest time now? (laughs) At least that's what I have in my mind. 
I think the interesting part is that these companies almost have two different key demographics. AEW is the 18 to 34. They are a little bit edgier, you know, cursing. Uh, some of the the concepts in the show are, are just for that kind of demographic, whereas WWE is really for more, maybe more for kids, it almost seems. Maybe WWE doesn't care about, you know, the 18 to 34, possibly. And um, I don't know. I think they both feel like they're winners. At least that's what it seems to me based on what I've uh, been reading online. Yeah, no, that's a really good point. I, I honestly don't think... I mean, history has shown us over the last 20 years that WWE doesn't care about the 18 to 34. You know, they're they're really pushing the PG, you know, content. I think AEW should feel proud that they beat the WWE. When you look at the total numbers compared to you take out this chunk of the 18 to 34 demographic, it, it just shows how much it's kids and older, you know, that watch wwe so yeah i think everybody's happy here and it's really not it's really not the story that i think a lot of people want it to be right right but it was wwe that did did they not do this counter programming first yeah it was it was wwe who said we're gonna run extra 30 minutes because it's gonna run into our rampages time and then tony khan's like Okay, I'm ready to do it. I know I know we're going to put on the better show. And even Tony Khan said it himself. He understands that not as many people are going to watch. He admitted, you know, the SmackDown's been on the air for 25 years. You know what I mean? Like it's it's it would be silly to think that Rampage would actually put up a number that would compete. You know, if if this was on Fox, the numbers aren't even close. But I think I read a thing where FS1 is only in like half the number of homes that Fox is. And I mean, we're going right, to see a right. similar, st- we're going to see a similar story in AEW when Dynamite makes the jump to TBS. Like the, the availability is going to go through the roof. So I don't know. It was an interesting week. It was interesting to take a look at the numbers and how broken down they actually got. But I mean, you got to take it. You, everybody wins in this moment. Like kind of like you said. Last night was Bound for Glory Impact Wrestling pay-per-view. We uh, skimmed through it a little bit this morning and kind of watched the things that we wanted to watch. I'll just run through some of the results for you. Cassie and Jesse, the inspiration, formerly known as the Iconics, come in and make their debut in Impact and defeat Decay to win the Knockouts Tag Team Championships. Trey Miguel wins the X Division title in a triple threat match. Heath had an interesting run-in with VBD where he's been trying to re-recruit Rhino. He, he kind of got Rhino to leave VBD and was hoping he would show up as a partner, but nobody shows up at the beginning of the match. It's not until really late in the match. Rhino finally does come out. The tag is in. Rhino wins the match for Heath and Rhino over VBD. 
Jordan Grace wins the Impact Digital Media Championship, which this was an interesting... We didn't watch the match by any means. Uh, this happened on like a pre-show, but they showed highlights during the pay-per-view. And it seemed like it was like an eight-man Texas Tornado type match where there was four male wrestlers, there was four female wrestlers, and everybody was kind of mixed in. I, I'm interested. I think maybe after this I might try to find that online somewhere and watch how it all went down. But Jordan Grace winning the brand new Impact Digital Media Championship. Next was the Call Your Shot Gauntlet match, which is basically just a Royal Rumble style battle royale. The winner receives a money in the bank type contract where you can cash it in at any time. You can call your shot. Moose ends up winning that. Uh, again, mixed genders throughout this match. What, what Quickly, what are your thoughts on Impact doing the mixed gender thing? This is kind of edgy, I feel. Yeah, I thought they did it well. I mean, there was only maybe one moment that I thought, wow, that's that's a bit crazy. And especially because it was involving Moose, who's so big. Right. Excuse me, I, I don't remember the, the name of the, the young lady there that he kind of pushes to the ground. But uh, it adds that, that just kind of extra element to the match. And I mean, it's not like he punched her in the face, so... I think they can get away with it without getting too much flack. And it was mostly guys against guys and girls against girls, but I like the mix between the two. I, I wish that AEW would do something like this because I think they got the talent to to really do well. There's a really interesting spot with uh, Johnny Swinger. Is that is that his name? That is totally his name. <laughs> he teases like he's going to punch Melina. And she does a splits, he kind of stops, and then just kind of throws her head into the mat. And I said, like, that's a smart way to do it. Because we, we've talked about intergender wrestling before. I think it works. There's a way to do it. As long as you stay away from those straight strikes to the face of the female wrestler, I think it works out. And everybody can... I mean, how many times have we seen a woman get slapped in a drama on TV or something like that? Like, I feel like we are smart enough to to differentiate, you know, between the the real and the fake and stuff like that. But I know there are a lot of marking marks out there that can't. So I think as long as they stay away from those straight strikes to the face on the on the women, it, it all works out. So I like that for sure. Good brothers retain the tag team championships in a tag team triple threat match. Mickey James wins the Knockouts Championship. Uh, let's we watched the, the majority of this match. Mickey James versus Diana Perrazzo. This was a match that was really had been building all summer, as we thought that something like this was going to go down at Slam Anniversary back in July. But we're finally getting the payoff here. I thought this was a great match. I, you know, besides a little couple of little hiccups, I would never call them botches, but there's a couple of little hiccups. But this is a really awesome straightforward match and eh, the ending was a little bit to be desired i think i would have did a, some things a little differently but uh, it was a good match and entertaining we got a new champion yeah i thought it was entertaining as well i i really like the energy they brought although i would have liked to have seen more of what we we saw in that vignette where they were fighting at mickey james's farmhouse right, yeah they, they didn't quite have that fire in this one. And I think they got gassed by the end. And that's why the ending kind of looked a little bit uh, floppy. But but Mickey James, I was surprised. I was surprised that she goes over on this one. But Impact bringing that name value to, to their company uh, with Mickey James. So I think it's uh, probably a smart move. And maybe look forward to seeing uh, these two hook up again sometime. 
Canadian Heat. That's right. It's Canadian Heat. It was the Impact World Title Championship match, main event of Bound for Glory, champion Christian Cage taking on Josh Alexander. Now, there was an interesting build up to this match because Josh Alexander was the X Division champion. And they kind of had it decided that this was the match that we were going to see at Bound for Glory. And it was up to Josh if he wanted to do a title for title match, if he wanted to do just for the eight or just for the impact title, just for the X division title. But then there was like an option C and that's what he chose. He chose to kind of put all his eggs in one basket, give up the X division title. And he was going all in on the impact world championship. I thought it created an interesting story for this match. And I thought impact did a good job with the promo productions and stuff to, you know, involve his family you know, they're sitting ringside, added that emotion to it. When you actually get down to the match, I mean, to call this a wrestling match is is almost an understatement. Like this was, you know, you saw a lot of that amateur wrestling background that Josh Alexander has and the just absolute pro of psychology that Christian Cage is. I thought this match was actually really, really well done. Absolutely. Hands down. I did not expect this to be as hard hitting as it was. I don't know about you, but man, these guys were slapping the crap out of one another. And um, this, in in my opinion, is one of the better matches of the entire year. It's got to be part of that conversation. I, I thought it was that good. And for it to be uh, all Canadian is also uh, fantastic. There's a moment at the end of this match where Josh Alexander is just doing anything and everything he can to Christian Cage, but it keeps kind of backfiring. It keeps kind of backfiring. Christian goes for the pin. Josh kicks out. Christian goes for the pin. Josh kicks out. And I thought the commentary did a really good job during this in saying, like, does he have what it takes to be Impact World Champion? Just kind of putting those little comments out there that make you think like, yeah, maybe he's not quite ready. So when he does pull it out and he does get Christian to tap out with that ankle lock, I mean, I feel like every amateur wrestler that's ever been in wrestling does the ankle lock and it's kind of it's kind of gimmicky at this point, but if it ain't broke, don't fix it, right? So Josh Alexander, new Impact World Champion, what are you thinking at this moment? I mean, it was like the storybook ending. It's how I I would have predicted it to happen just because of how the promos were and how Christian was really working the this sort of heel side and talking about how his son wasn't going to see this championship and, and all that and, and having his wife and, and one of his uh, boys in the, the front row. I'm thinking, you know, like this, this has to happen. Uh, you know, I was envisioning like him like holding it and then going like ringside and, you know, kind of like what the wrestlers typically do. So when he does win and, and we see his, his lovely wife and, and son come to the ring, I'm just like, all right, this is playing out the way that I thought it would. Just so people know, this is Josh Alexander's first world championship. So it is kind of a big deal. And I mean, I get what Matt Stryker was trying to do on commentary during all of this. He was trying to get that, JR with Shawn Michaels or uh, sorry Vince McMahon on commentary when Shawn Michaels wins his first world championship you know the boyhood dream for Shawn Michaels has come true he's trying to get that over but he just wrote us an essay when all we needed was a one-liner and it got really annoying 
I like I just had to slam my hands on the desk and like striker shut the fuck up already. <laughs> like he ruined the moment for us at at home, I feel. Yeah, I think the images were doing enough for you to kind of feel what it was about, you know, like the uh, like for me just the pride of of Canada. I don't really know Josh Alexander's wrestler that much. We've only been watching Impact for like a year or so. Uh but just that you know, that story of, you know, first time ever, he gave up his title to go for this. He had a lot riding on it. He's got his, his kid who thinks he's a superhero. He can't, you know, disappoint him. And then he ends up winning. And then Christian comes in, puts the belt on him and gives him a hug. Like you didn't need to talk during that moment, really, but yeah. He's his mouth keeps going and I could just see your hats like rising off your head as the steam <laughs> is pouring out. I got to bury the production crew a little bit here because out of nowhere, literally out of nowhere, the camera was tight in on the family hugging in the corner. And then all of a sudden Moose is in the ring handing the referee this call your shot gauntlet trophy He's cashing in his his title match right now. B- besides the the fault on the uh, reveal of Moose, I thought the ending to this was really really well done. You know, Josh is like, "Oh my God, this is happening!" He kind of pushes or directs his family into one corner. The bell's rung. He still has the belt in his hand. Almost, he just drops it and takes that spear like an absolute champ. And Moose covers for the one two three immediately standing up and staring down Josh Alexander's family and then standing over him as they're trying to, you know, cover his, his head and, and, you know, or embracing him. Ah, it was a really cool image. And I mean, we've seen these kind of cash-ins before and it was nothing new, but for some reason it was shocking. It was like, you just had this awesome moment, his first title reign ever. And it only lasts a minute, two minutes, maybe. You know, I, I think this presents a really interesting story for Josh and Moose going forward. You know, we get the best of both worlds here. We we get the heroic finish, and then we also get the uh, losing right in front of your child. Like, his wife and son weren't even out of the ring. They were standing in the corner as he's taking this huge spear the the kid is going to be a wrestler he like he sold this you know he immediately goes and runs to his dad and drapes himself all over him as moose is standing over top of him i mean the wife could have shed a few little tears to make it you know absolutely perfect but i mean i have to plead a little bit of ignorance here i did not know that this match this call your shot gauntlet match was all about getting this sort of title shot whenever you want it and I'm almost glad I didn't know because I never had this in my mind at all. It was totally surprising. I absolutely, absolutely love this. And, and I want to say, I mean, maybe I dreamt this, but did did Bret Hart not do this kind of angle, like where he won the title for like his dad and then he like loses it like right away in front of his dad? Did, did that not happen? Something like that? Because I don't know. I feel like... This was, this was awesome. This is one of the biggest moments for me this year in wrestling. Yeah, I'm trying to think something like that did that? happen. I know, I know. Bret Hart has like Stu's been front row for Bret Hart matches many times. 
they always had him on camera and stuff. But losing Because I feel like the storyline was, uh, you know, he never got the sort of admiration from his father and like they were playing that angle and then he ends up winning, but then like loses. I feel like that would be more of an Owen. That would be more of an Owen story. Okay. Yeah, maybe it was. Interesting. We'll have to look back. If you guys know, if you guys know what Damien's talking about. (laughs) Yeah. So Bound for (laughs) Glory, it was a really good pay-per-view. It had some awesome matches. I was actually quite impressed with... uh, with uh, the show, so uh, big props to uh, Impact Wrestling. Now sending it over to the commentary desk. All right, we got some great matches on the docket for the commentary desk this week, but to start things off, Friday night on Rampage, we got introduced or announced, if you will, for the TBS Women's Championship tournament bracket and the first round goes as follows we have Anna Jay versus Jamie Hayter the bunny versus red velvet Serena Deeb versus Hikaru Shida Penelope Ford versus Ruby Soho and as well the number two or sorry yeah the number two three four and five ranked wrestlers in the power rankings got first round by so we have Thunder Rosa Jade Cargill Nyla Rose and Chris Stantlander automatically in the second round what are your thoughts with you know trying to forget what what happened last night on on dynamite what are your impressions of this tournament they're doing something a little different than what we're seeing on the aew world championship side uh i'm kind of liking this difference in format i know this isn't uh putting it over but i'm putting over that they're actually using these power rankings for something right so good job on whoever thought that one up I mean, I like I like uh, all of this uh, bracket here. I think these are really good matchups. Yeah, there's not really one here that I can pick that I think is going to be kind of a a floppy flop. Yeah, no, I'm I'm excited for this tournament. If you had to give a prediction for a final and and who's going to be the first ever TBS Women's Champion, I think I think this is going to be Cargill Rose at the end. And I think they're going to give it to Cargill. Wow. Interesting. She's going to stay undefeated. Interesting. I like that. I, I can get down with that. I'm thinking I'm thinking this comes down to just looking at how the bracket is laid out. Thunder Rosa is going to end up meeting Jade Cargill in that third round. Okay, that doesn't work. I I, I think I think Rosa and Soho are going to be in the finals, and Soho is going to get that belt. That's my prediction. But I, I kind of had it in my mind that there would be a way for Thunder Rosa to have to go through Nyla Rose and Jade Cargill to get there, right? Considering that was her feud. But now, yeah, maybe maybe they do. Maybe Rose beats Soho to get to the final, and then we still get that that road. And then Thunder Rosa is the new TBS champion. I'm going to go that way. I like that better. I'm going to go that way. I mean, I want to see that. Yeah, for sure. All right, well, let's get right into the commentary desk. The first matchup we need to take a look at was Friday night on Rampage, Anna Jay versus Britt Baker, DMD. This is the first time Anna Jay is going one-on-one against Britt Baker. Anna Jay, when tagging with Ty Conte, defeated Britt Baker and Penelope Ford back in December of 2020. This was only Anna Jay's 26th match in her very, very young career. 
and honestly, you could never tell. Anna Jay was absolutely spectacular in this match. Uh, I think a lot of credit has to be given to Britt Baker just being an awesome opponent. I thought these girls told an awesome story for what little relationship they had, you know, uh, in the context of, of the wrestling ring. And uh, I enjoyed this match. It was friggin' awesome. Anna Jay killed it. Yeah, I mean, I have to agree with you. I, I think she does still look a, a little bit green, but not on her, like, well, I guess it's on her wrestling side, but more the fact that it really feels like she's thinking about the things she's doing and she's not just kind of doing them. So with, you know, only 26 matches, you have to expect that that muscle memory isn't just quite there yet. But yeah, I mean, if, if we showed somebody who's never seen Anna Jay before and said, Hey, like, what do you think about her as a wrestler? I don't think they could say, well, I don't think she's been wrestling very long because you'd never know it. Uh, She just needs to take that, you know, kind of thinking about everything, even the selling part almost seems a little bit like, you know, she's doing everything that Dustin told her to do kind mm-hmm. of thing. So with more uh, reps, I think it'll it'll feel a bit more natural. But man, is, is she ever awesome? Jamie Hayter, Rebel were on the ringside. They kind of get involved at, at a point in this match. Anna Jay kind of just takes care of them. But it ends up leading to her downfall as Britt Baker gets the win with the, with the lockjaw. Out comes Ty Conte as, you know, the the beatdown kind of begins. Ty Conte coming out to even things up, if you will. It has been announced that Ty Conte, the number one contender, is going to be taking on Britt Baker at full gear. What are your thoughts on this uh, AEW Women's Championship match? I mean, I think this is going to be a good one, whereas... um... Britt Baker has kind of the more technical wrestling skill and Ty Conte is like just a beast, like the almost strong style. Like she has no control <laughs> over her limbs. I feel like Brits uh, need to prepare herself for a good beat down here. We see uh, the next night on Saturday, Britt Baker does a little uh, backstage interview with Tony Schiavone where she talks about Ty Conte kind of getting in Britt's, Britt's business and, and what she can expect come full gear. I've never, I've never heard one woman talk about another woman's butt so much since Sir Mix-A-Lot, the beginning of uh, Baby Got Back video. Like, Jesus Christ, was she, I think, Britt likes it. Yeah, I mean, that's what I got from it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so yeah, I'm really looking forward to uh, full gear now with this match lined up. I don't think we've seen Ty Conte in and Britt Baker 1v1 either. Kind of interesting that that's where they're going to go, so I'm looking forward to it. Next matchup was the main event from Dynamite, Malachi Black versus Cody Rhodes 3. And I mean, this match... Out of the three of them was probably the best. I mean, it it went the longest. It had the more even tone, and it had the story to back everything up. It wasn't just, you know, Malachi Black's debut match, or it wasn't just Cody trying to get back and and not being able to. But the the crowd, I think the crowd is what kind of outshined everybody when it came to this match because 
they were fired up for this match in all aspects. They were fired up to back Malachi Black. They were fired up to make Cody feel like absolute shit with the booze. And they were fired up for Arn Anderson. They really wanted him to pull out a Glock and, and shoot somebody. <laughs> They'd be crazy in Florida. I I Let's talk about that really quickly. Like, I do not get why... Cody has so much heat like why do they hate on him and how is finger guns getting over in AEW <laughs> like tell me your thoughts I mean I, I don't get it either I honestly we we, we kind of buried the Arn Anderson promo from a couple weeks back there but it's it's over I, I don't get it I wonder we'll see what happens when we get to Boston next week if they're on board with the uh, with the Glock chance and stuff, but yeah, I don't know. I don't get it. I think it's stupid. But mind you, I think everything with Arn Anderson stupid. Uh, speaking of Anderson, just as we're fading out into commercial break, Brock Anderson and Lee Johnson come out, and then we come back from commercial break, and they're gone. They weren't ringside. They weren't around the edge. Once Arn Anderson gets in the ring to do all his business, like they're nowhere to be found. What happened? Why were they out there? I don't get it. I mean, I tend to get very distracted during picture in picture. So maybe something happened. Maybe they got thrown out. Who knows? Maybe we'll have to watch it again. I'm thinking maybe alien abduction, possibly, <laughs> or Chris they were just- looking for catering. If they were looking for catering, went down, hey, what's this tunnel all about? I've never been down here very often. And and they got lost. They just happened to come out at the at the right match, which made it make sense. Right. Oh no? man, that's hilarious. I've never been out this tunnel before. That's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, no, I I was getting really excited. I was so I was super pumped for when we came back from commercial break that we were gonna see Brock and perhaps Lee, we saw in, in the cinematic promo vignette, whatever you want to call it, last week, that they don't take too kindly to Cody right now. They're not kind of on Cody's side. So I was totally expecting Brock Anderson and, and Lee to just ruin this match in a way, but I don't know. I really didn't see anything. Uh, there was a couple big spots in this match. There was the crossroads from the apron onto the table. Malachi Black busts open. There's a moment shortly after where he throws Cody into the corner. He gets busted open. This is literally five minutes of the match of them just selling these cuts. Arn Anderson is in the ring for whatever reason during this whole time. Paul Turner, I think was the ref, is like, what the hell are you doing in this ring? But he wouldn't leave. Finally, Malachi Black gets back in the ring, in the ring and we see the, the missed spot. Like, was Arn Anderson waiting for this miss spot literally that long? Did he totally miss his his shot? Like, did he come in too early? I mean, it definitely looked like that after kind of what happened. You would think that these mistakes happen pretty regularly, and he just didn't do a good job of, hey, uh, I recognize I, I'm, in, I'm not in the right moment here, and, like, at least bend over make it look like you're looking for your denny's menu <laughs> do something that makes it think that you're you actually know what you're doing here but he doesn't yeah yeah there's a moment just before the mist where andrande comes out and kind of repeats what we saw the week before 
with Arn Anderson. Andrade's assistant comes out, and there's the spine buster that leads into the mist. Pac comes out and fights with Andrade. Building up on what we saw from Friday, I don't think Pac and Andrade are over at all. Cody takes control of the match as he hits a Cody cutter across roads and finishes it all off with the Tiger Driver 98 for the win. The crowd very audibly upset with this finish. I was kind of upset too, I think. I mean, granted, it's unwanted heat on Cody Rhodes. I think they need to run with this, and maybe he loses again to Malachi Black, disappear for a while, like a while, not just a few weeks like he did the last time. Disappear for two months, three months. Come back full heel and make this heat make sense. Yeah, you know what? I Just uh, like a few minutes ago, you mentioned that whole vignette where Brock is talking, talking smack to Cody. Red Velvet slaps him in the face. Like, is that what's getting this crowd against Cody? Like, that vignette? Is he that Hollywood? Because I've never seen any of his shows, but <laughs> I don't know. Um... I think he's I think he's just leaning into it. He knows he's not gonna get them back, I think. So he's just he's just gonna lean into it. He's got two options. I think I mentioned this to you during the match. Is he either goes full heel right now or he has to disappear and then come back and, and save a face at some time. But right. yeah, he needs to be kind of forgotten or or go full heel and, and continue on the way he, he's gonna go. Let's get into some honorable mentions. Uh, big talking point from last night's Dynamite was the Lance Archer versus Eddie Kingston Eliminator Tournament Round 1 match. Uh, great match right up until the, uh, I'm assuming, was not quite the end. But Lance Archer going for a big moonsault from the top rope. Eddie Kingston moves out of the way. But Archer under-rotates, lands square on his head. Uh, there was a really scary moment to, to watch. There was it was scary as Doc Sampson comes out into the ring, into the ring to talk to him. There's a moment where they roll out, they have another quick conversation. Um, it looked like he was be he was able to move his head, which is a good sign. He comes back in. Eddie Kingston very quickly rolls him up. They give the one two three. It's it's obvious this wasn't the ending they were going for, but. You know, shit happens in the wrestling ring, and I thought AEW did a good job of making sure he was okay, evaluating him on the side. Let's get an ending to this match so it doesn't just end, and, you know, we'll go from there. What would you think of this this spot? I mean, it was super scary. This was no way production could hide this. I don't think they would have ever suspected this would happen. The camera was straight on. We saw absolutely everything. Both of our jaws absolutely hit the ground as we're just astonished as what we're seeing here, Lance is okay. He tweeted earlier today or last night that, you know, he's going to live. So all that is good. Not the finish they were looking for, but man, what a trooper to, to get back in there and at least give the fans a finish. Yeah. Lance is a beast. It's good to see that it's not a neck injury. You know, they did concussion protocol. It looked like he just got his bell rung a little bit. I'm sure he'll be back soon. Orange Cassidy versus Powerhouse Hobbs in uh, an Eliminator Tournament Round 1 match. This was on Rampage to open up Rampage. We've seen this match before, as they alluded to. It was a very quick squash match, which is kind of really surprising. And when the bell rings, I'm like, they have to tease that again. 
You know, like Orange Cassidy needs to go for that Superman punch right away. And sure enough, they did. I thought that was great. The rest of the match went on pretty much how we expected Orange Cassidy sneaking out a win by the skin of his teeth. He was selling the rib, uh, the ribs from the ladder match a few weeks ago. I don't know. I thought these two did a good job. It wasn't spectacular, but it wasn't bad by any means either. Yeah, I mean, I think this is Hobbs' best match. This was better than, I think, the Punk match. It, they worked really well together, and we got this story of sort of David versus Goliath, and I thought they did it really well. And we saw some wrestling here from Hobbs. It wasn't just all power. I, I thought he actually he did some wrestling stuff. So, uh, you know, uh, Roman Reigns, uh, you could take a lesson here. <laughs> Brian Danielson versus Dustin Rhodes opened up the show on Dynamite, the Eliminator Tournament Round 1 match as well. This was an awesome match, and I I, I put this this match in a couple different spots in the uh, on the show plan. I thought maybe we'd talk about it a little bit more in depth. Maybe it was match of the week. And then I thought, you know, Brian Danielson's been getting match of the week like every week this week. Let's just... Let's just acknowledge it was a really good match. Uh, he worked really well with the much bigger Dustin Rhodes. Dustin absolutely killed it in this match. I thought he was awesome. So, yeah, really entertaining match to start off Dynamite last night. I would have been super shocked if this was a bad match considering the caliber of these two guys. I, I even enjoy that they didn't really make this a, a small guy versus big guy kind of match. Like, Brian really looked like an equal here, even though Dustin really looked super huge uh in, in this match i i like the story they told i like how brian just kind of wears him down and and in the end gets the uh, submission so i thought all of that was just great for sure for sure and we got the first tbs title tournament match from round one ruby soho versus penelope ford this was also on dynamite these i mean again Evidence that Penelope Ford probably isn't as well skilled in the in the arts of professional wrestling as much as some of the other girls. I think it's really hard to have a bad match with someone like Ruby Soho, and I'm not and I'm not saying this was a bad match, but I mean the holes were very evident, and you know the mistakes were highlighted, and I don't think those are, are Ruby's fault by any means. Yeah, no, I I have to agree with you, and and where I think it was, Penelope can sell. She's a very, very good seller. It's it's kind of like Anna Jay with the moves. When she's on the offense, it's a lot of thinking. Things are things are slow but too fast, if that makes any sense. You know, like she needs to just take her time, play to the crowd and all those things. Um, but it's very sort of mechanical. Like she's really not wanting to make a mistake and thinking about all all that she's doing. I think that all just comes with time. I think Penelope is great, and, and she will be great in this division. Uh, these two just didn't really work out that well together, and you could just really see where Ruby was just way more experienced, maybe expected a lot from Penelope Ford. Didn't quite get it, but all experience for, for Penelope here, so it's going to be good going forward. Yeah, for sure. They teased the brass knucks again. There was a fumble on the handoff. Uh, the ref catches wind, which leads to Ruby Soho eventually getting the win. There was a moment after after the match where Bunny and Penelope surround Ruby Soho. I was kind of wondering who was going to come out for the save. I was surprised when it was Red Velvet, 
But then when you look at the bracket, Red Velvet is going up against the Bunny. So it does make sense. I I, I hope that that's all this is here. I don't get Ruby Soho and Red Velvet if they were going to be like buddies or something like that. But to set up this match for next week between Red Velvet and the Bunny, uh, I'll let it slide. Yeah, no, I, I was a bit confused by that as well and um, totally forgot about the bracket. I doubt they're going to be friends, but... I'm looking forward to this bunny red velvet. I think this is going to be a good match. This week's match of the week was Pac versus Andrade El Idolo 3 or 2. Sorry, 2. This goes back to these two were supposed to face at All Out. They got their match got cut from the card because Pac couldn't get to the states in time, so they have it on the rampage. Following it, kind of got cut for time as well. I feel like they tried to get a lot in in a very short time. That match on rampage back in September wasn't the best, but did they ever come back with a vengeance? Like they had something to prove. This match was actually very, very well done. It was high impact. The story was there. I thought, you know, all this stuff with Andrade and the and the Lucha Brothers has just kind of been kind of garbage, but it all makes sense when it's when it's punctuated with this match. It kind of makes up for everything. And if you hadn't seen all that, this match maybe doesn't make sense. But they absolutely killed each other in this match. Andrade took some nasty nasty bumps. He was doing moves to Pac where he took the majority of the bump, you know, so I mean, Andrade is kind of the star, kind of wins back some of that distaste that I've had for him, you know, because we had such high expectations for Andrade coming into AEW. I think he's finally living up to that. Yes, uh, Andrade is like um, is like Hellebuck four years ago. <laughs> like, there's just nights you just hate him, and then there's just nights you're just like, yeah, this guy is, is elite, man. And th- this was one of those nights where it's just crazy. Like, it's just, you put everything that you thought of this guy away and you're just like, wow, man, is this guy ever good? And I mean, Pac is always good. And the two of these working together, like I want to see a three and a four, like keep giving me more of this stuff. And the way this ended, you know, that's very possible that we are going to continue this feud. I mean, the Andrade Lucha brother stuff is not over. So, Andrade said he has some friends. We see that at the end of this match. Pac gets the win, but the lights go out. Everybody's standing in the ring, but there's Malachi Black. He missed Pac. They kind of are going to go beat up on Pac at the end of the show there. Arn Anderson comes out with the with the distract as Cody comes from the crowd and, and fights off both of them, setting up that match that we saw uh, last night on Dynamite. This was a, this was a really awesome way to end uh, Rampage. I'm really I'm really liking Rampage. If we can talk about that really quick. You know, with the shortened format and the concentration on wrestling, I feel like they are doing such a good job with the little bit of segment time that they have during the show and using what we see on Dynamite to perpetuate the story on Rampage in the matches. I think it's really cool and I like the 1 hour show. It's quick, it's to the point and we're getting these awesome caliber matches that you would probably more expect to see on a 2 hour show, weekly show if not a pay-per-view. So, I'm loving Rampage right now. Yeah, I was thinking the same thing. Like this is pay-per-view quality matches that we're seeing on Rampage almost every single week. 
Um, it is becoming my favorite show. I love ending off the week like that and in going into the weekend with the podcast and talking about it. Uh, it gets me so hyped. And now, putting it over. Putting it over this week is going to be a little bit shorter. There, there was a lot of segments on Dynamite this week. They were all kind of crappy. I, I got to be honest. I was not impressed this week with the segments of, of the show, but we're going to run through a lot of them. Let's start it off with some vanilla, though. There was an interesting, I mean, it made nudes. It made the headlines. There was an interesting spot at the end of, Di- uh, at the end of SmackDown where Becky Lynch, SmackDown Women's Champion, Charlotte Flair, Raw Women's Champion, they both got drafted to the opposite show. So they kind of concocted this segment where they're going to switch belts so that the, the proper belts are on the proper show. Sonya Deville's out there. Becky's out there. Charlotte's out there. Now, the story goes is that Charlotte wasn't too happy that she had to hand her belt to Becky and Becky having that moment where she's Becky two belts again. Even though it was only going to be for a few seconds, Charlotte was kind of taken aback. Like, I don't want to end up looking weak. It seems like she goes into business for herself. There's been some reports since that, you know, the dropping of the belt was an accident. You know, it wasn't how it was supposed to go. You guys all know the story. We watched this segment. It was good. I I, I thought the segment turned out well for everybody. So if that was Charlotte going into business for herself, I don't think it hurt Becky at all, what she did. It doesn't hurt WWE at all. If not, this made this story really well. The part of this that I have to bury for this segment of the show is that when Fox reruns SmackDown Friday night against uh, Rampage on because there was no baseball game or something like that, so the slot was open. So they just reran it a little bit later. They edited this segment. So you never see Charlotte drop the belt. What? What what is the purpose of this? And like I said, this segment turned out really well. If it was a mistake or not, somebody had to have seen like this turned out okay. Just run with it. Why are you trying to hide? I'm burying you, WWE. Well, first off, I'm burying this segment because why are the champions even part of the draft? That makes no sense True. to me. Like we should never have a segment where they're switching belts. That's that's stupid. It, it's the actually the stupidest thing I've ever seen in wrestling. And I, and I mean we've seen Snoop Dogg try to do a a frog splash off the second. Row. <laughs> <laughs> so I I just don't get that part. Like it just wasn't gonna go well. And and I mean I'm gonna put over Charlotte here for wanting to protect her character. Why did it have to go that way? Why didn't Becky do the switch first? Why are they even switching at all? Why aren't they just coming and putting the belts on a table and then, you know, walking to the other side of the table? Like, I mean, we're not wrestling creative, but you, me, and our 11-year-old niece could come up with better ideas for how this segment could go, and she doesn't even watch wrestling. And then editing it, like, come on, like... Is this Vince McMahon saying, you know what, these girls didn't play by my rules, so I'm going to cut it out? Like, I don't know. I agree with you. I For it not going the way that 
people say it was supposed to be planned. I, I thought it, it went well. It was a bit awkward and uh, the reaction time maybe wasn't there, but I mean, we're talking about it now, which is, you know, probably what they want anyways. So overall, I'm bearing it. Next up on putting it over, we got, uh, sh- uh, this was an image that you just showed to me out of the blue and it's Charlotte again, Charlotte in the gym with her uh, man there on Drande. And she's wearing an AEW hat. Now, this was on Twitter, not posted by Charlotte herself or Andrade. And, and we can't, spe- we can only speculate on how authentic this image is. But man, if someone made this image, they obviously are in design because the, I, I can't see where this is fake. And a lot of these memes, we can, we, you know, we can point out all of the, imperfections of it but i mean the shadowing and the blur on this looked real to me putting it over we have before this and this one i mean charlotte is all but all elite (laughs) by the end of this year i'm putting it over charlotte playing butthurt over this segment to the point where she's gonna start trolling and wearing aew hats It, it is what it is i don't really have i don't think it's bad i don't think it's good either it's just, it is what it is. But Charlotte coming over to AEW, I don't know if I want that. I don't know if I want that yet. If that ever, if that day ever comes, I'll have to experience it in the moment, I think, to, to know how I really feel about it. Do I think AEW could benefit from Charlotte being in their company? 100%. She is amazing at professional wrestling. Do I want more ammo for the Marky Marks to talk about how AEW is just WWE light? No, they don't need any more ammo. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and, and I mean, if, if you do think that way, you're you're just an idiot anyways. But uh, so, yeah, I don't know how I feel about Charlotte maybe perhaps coming over. It'll be interesting to see. Yeah, no, I don't, I don't think I would want her to come over either. And the only way I think it would work is if she, she valets for Andrade. For like a year. Really? And then we see her? Yeah. I, I don't think she can come in and just be the champion and then win True. the champion 14 times, uh, only being the champion uh, for five minutes at a time. I don't think that's going to work in our company. Well, I think you just answered the question. Would Charlotte even want to come over to AEW? I doubt it because she's not going to win the belt 10 times in, in a year because... You know, we've been, AEW's been a thing for three years. We've only had three champions, four champions now in the women's division. But you know what I mean? Like AEW's all about the yeah. long distance. So no, I got you. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm putting the picture over. I thought it was cool. Even if it's true. Let's move on to Dynamite. The Elite are backstage as they cut a promo on Hangman. Uh, this was really all Kenny. Young Bucks and Adam Cole were kind of just there. And, uh. You know, one of the better promos from Kenny, like he didn't get too excited. He didn't stutter too much. He didn't get too Kenny. <laughs> you know, Callus wasn't there to talk over him. So, you know what? This was a really good segment and it and it's building it's building that story for full gear. So yeah, gotta put it over it. I would I would say the exact same thing and the and the biggest thing I was thinking of is Callus wasn't there and that 
that kind of went better for Kenny that way. And um, I don't even mind the ending here where Kenny kind of thanks Adam Cole for his kind of line at the end. And, you know, they're kind of, uh, you know, sucking, sucking each other off about how good they are. Like I thought all that was good. Yeah, for sure. Uh, next up, we got the uh, in-ring interview of Penta El Zero Miedo on Rampage. I don't know if we can really even call this an interview because no questions were asked and no answers were given. Penta and Alex get to the ring and immediately Alex is pointing out these two guys sitting in front row who have the, the uh, what did they call them? The Super Frogs yeah. uh, Lucha Mass on that uh, FTR had. So, Los Super uh, Ronalds. Yeah, they were. He was getting revenge for taking out his brother. The mask get ripped off. These are just what seem like two jabronis, front row, just being fans. This all being just a distraction for FTR to come from behind. Pack comes out for the save. I, I thought this uh, this segment was was really well done. I I wasn't looking forward to an interview with Penta. I'll tell you that much. Um, which really what probably would have just been an interview with, with Alex, but I, I like that they're keeping this feud going with FTR and, you know, I'm really wondering, are we going to get FTR having all the belts? I, I, I feel like that's where I want it to go partly. So I don't know. I'm just, I'm really interested in this feud right now. So I'm putting it over. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. FTR having all the belts, I'll, I'll be, that's another kind of Charlotte situation where I don't know how I'll feel about that until it actually happens. But yeah, this segment on Rampage is really good and it leads into a segment on Dynamite where FTR kind of does the video promo thing. And it, it's a back and forth between Lucha Brothers and FTR. I think they're doing a really good job building this story. FTR was truly almost forgotten about uh, amidst all that, proud and powerful kind of feud and and the injury to cash and, and whatnot. I think this is getting them back into the limelight. They have some gold on their shoulders now. Now we're getting back to, you know, top guys. And even in that segment on Dynamite, Dak says top guys out. Like, we haven't heard that in a long time. So it's nice that they're getting their uh, confidence back. So these two segments on, on two different shows, they all worked really well together. I'm excited for Lucha Brothers. I, I hope we get a match on AAA. I hope we get some matches in AEW. It, it's going to be good going forward. Putting it over. Sting does an in-ring interview with Tony Schiavone, the he asks the question about how is Darby Allen doing? Of course, it's a Tony Schiavone segment, so there are no answers, similar to the segment we just talked about. MJF's music hit, and when I say five of the most boring minutes of watching a wrestling show, understand that these were five of the most boring minutes of a wrestling show I have ever... And it hurts me to say that because MJF is a god when it comes to the microphone but i think mjf is is slipping into the realm of he's repeating himself way too much and i've i've heard this promo before uh yeah i've seen it before he gave us nothing new and he took forever as he's strutting down the ramp like i was bored out of my mind once he got to the ring things picked up you know, and then there's the attack from Sean Spears and Wardlow. And I liked when he gets the chair in and he's sitting down and he's got Sting's head like in between his legs and he's just feeding it. That was all good. 
the other half leading into it was absolute trash. I have to bury this. It was garbage. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I have to agree with you again. the The point at which he comes out and and gets to the ring is uh, it's a bit overdone. I it, I see this as uh, you know a, a comic stand up comic who is uh, bickering with a, a heckler. Like he's looking for the moments where he can address the crowd. He ends up calling some guy fat and says that he has the mic. Like all that is just every time the insults may be a little bit different, but it's the same. It's the same thing. You know, the, uh, the, the stealing of the, the Bret Hart gimmicks and, and all of that. I totally side. forgot about that. I thought the best, yeah, I, the best part of this is, is Wardlow in a segment later on in the show, we got to see MGF again. This is the only thing that sort of saves MGF for me on, on the show is uh, the the possibility the tease again that Wardlow might be turning against him. I, I can't wait for this moment. I think War, Wardlow is is the uh, the dark horse of one of these pillars of AEW. I think he has a potential. They just need to let him go. So yeah, the whole the whole Sting MGF. I'm burying that. I don't want to see that again, but I want to see more of this Wardlow MJF. I, I think that is going to be when, when this all comes to head, like that, this is going to be a fantastic moment in AEW history. Next up on putting it over, we got men of the year in the ring with Dan Lambert doing an in-ring promo about inner circle. This was mostly Ethan page talking. So man, I want to like this guy, but I can't, I can't stand his promos and I'm not even sure it's so much Ethan page, but it's Scorpio sky in the back reacting to the things that Ethan page is saying. And they just look goofy. Like they don't look what, what, what they look like, you know, they look like these cool guys yet. They, they're a bunch of jackasses. I don't get it. Um, so I'm not liking it. Uh, Sammy comes out. I don't think he made this segment any better, but we we get a, a lot of uh, insight on what's how the story is gonna go at least up until full gear. So I like that part, but I think overall I gotta bury bury the segment. Yeah, for sure. And uh, like you mentioned, what's gonna kind of transpire over the next month is next week on Dynamite, Ethan Page is gonna challenge Sammy for the TNT title. If Sammy can win, then that ten man tag at full gear will happen. So, I mean, put it in next week's notes, bold up Sammy's name. He's winning. We're getting this 10-man tag at, at uh, full gear. What I want to bring to the table is something I read today. Chris Van Flay was on some kind of podcast, and he is talking shit about Dan Lambert. And basically, he's like, I don't get why they brought this guy in. You know, Ethan Page is great on the mic. Scorpio Sky is great on the mic. These guys don't need a mouthpiece. This segment that we just talked about proves why these guys need a mouthpiece. Dan Lambert absolutely makes these two look foolish when it comes to the mic. And the line that Dan Lambert gets on Sammy, the rumors in the back that you suck on the stick... I, I mean, I got to put that over because it's true. The week before, Sammy sucked on the stick. Dan Lambert is making these professional wrestlers look bad. And 
Chris Van Flay, you are absolutely ignorant when it comes to professional wrestling. Like, I have no respect for your opinions anymore if this is how you think. And that's why I disrespect you with your name. I'm burying the segment overall. It was a bad segment. Sammy did nothing to do to make it better. But I'm absolutely burying Filet. Like, figure it out, bud. I mean, these guys should have the chops on the mic. I, I do agree with them to that point. But they haven't proved it yet. Scorpio Sky more than Paige. For sure. But, you know, they, they want to make this uh, connection between, you know, MMA and wrestling or whatever kind of partnership this is going to be. Who do you put them with uh, who doesn't already have a mouthpiece? It, it, to me, it makes sense to put them there. So whoever's decision that was... Uh, putting that over yeah for sure for sure and then our last segment to talk about was the jungle boy versus brandon cutler match and we're not really here to talk about the match this was an absolute squash match it was over in 90 seconds brandon cutler taps out to the snare trap end of story what happens afterwards as jungle boy gets the mic and i mean we just shit on those three guys for for kind of sucking on the mic Jungle Boy doesn't have the reps, so it we kind of give him a pass for maybe not being the best. But honestly, this was the best I've heard from him. It's the most we've ever heard from him, so that's good. He's getting his reps in. Adam Cole comes out for the interrupt as he distracts Jungle Boy. The Young Bucks come in from the back, super kick party, and they just... The Elite absolutely laid the beats to Jungle Boy, ending in a BTE trigger. Uh, the last shot, whatever Adam Cole is calling, that knee to the back of the head. And then they throw him off the stage through the tables. This was really cool. This is really all in on the heel stuff from the elite. Uh, there's no turning back now. You know what I mean? Like we, we talked about last week, how the crowd is really torn. Like they, they want to love the elite because they are so cool. I think this really is them trying to get that heat solidified in a way. And uh, I loved it. I'm putting this segment over. I mean, let's look at it this way. Jungle Boy got Anna J. The kid could come out and talk pig Latin. <laughs> and we think he's the best talker in the business. He automatically gets a pass uh, just for that. Jungle Boy can do no wrong. And I have to totally agree with your uh, analysis here of the uh, the super click is really trying to get the heat. And they haven't been able to do it. And what do you do? You go to the most baby face guy in the company and you start to to disrespect him and um i'm thinking this is starting to work uh i think the way the the fans reacted to this um it, it's starting to work or, or at least it's starting to to start the fire so uh really well done i have to put the segment over as well it was a great week of wrestling overall I mean, like it was like an A. I don't think it was a spectacular weekend of wrestling, but it was really good. We had some really awesome matches. And uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to how these tournaments are going to shape the shows in the in the upcoming weeks as we lead into full gear November 13th. You know, I got I got nothing I got nothing bad to say about the shows this week. Yeah, I mean, it's very promising where this is going. I think AW just needs to stay in its own lane. They're they're doing well. They don't need to worry about WWE. Uh, just you know, let all the Marky Marks talk about how you know Aubrey Edwards is better than the 
history making, you know, ref from Crown Jewel and, you know, just stupid crap about that. Let's just focus on the storylines and, and, and all that good stuff because I'm loving where AEW is going so far. I mean, should we talk about Crown Jewel real quick? I mean, it was on Thursday, Saudi Arabia show, Goldberg beats Bobby Lashley. Doesn't make any sense. Rain steals the belt from Brock Lesnar. It looked like Brock Lesnar had the belt won. I don't know. It was a crappy show, I think, the little bits that I've seen. Has there ever been a good one? No, I don't think so. You know, I, I shouldn't say that. Uh, apparently, Edge versus Seth Rollins, Hell in a Cell, was really good. But I haven't watched okay. it yet. Yeah, we might have to do that. I don't know. I, I there, Is it just there's too many restrictions for what they can do? It just doesn't turn out well. And all the baggy shirts. Yeah. I just think take away from it. But Sasha Banks' outfit. You know, okay, yeah, they have to be, you know, covered from head to toe, basically. You know, they can't show any skin. So the girls get these, like, jumpsuits made, but then they make them put those baggy T-shirts on to hide their figures. I mean, good for Sasha Banks for wearing it on SmackDown and at least getting to show that off because it was quite the elaborate outfit she had. But so they they have this live event there to promote their show, you know, get people to watch, but are, are can these people watch when, you know, this is what they see on the TV? Like, is, is it even allowed to be broadcasted there? That one I don't get either. Good point. Yeah, if they're watching the everyday, every week kind of wrestling over in Saudi, they're going to be seeing all the skin. Or do they have to turn in the corner and listen to it like it's radio? I don't know. It's a, it's a different world over there. It's true that. With that being said, that's our show for this week. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. We are available on all major podcast networks, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Anchor Breaker, all the good ones. Just search for The Impromptu Wrestling Podcast. Thanks for listening, everybody. Peace. We are out of here. Bye-bye.